it's so good to be with you guys this morning and um, everyone online, uh, church family. I consider all you guys church family, uh, the people of God gathered together. Um, like what Garrett, uh, Garrett said, um, I grew up in Calvary, and growing up, some of my best friends were um, Elliot Hooks, Garrett Hooks, Trevor Day, Brandon Day. Um, so I was kind of honorarily adopted into these families of the Days and the Hooks. And when you get the Hooks, you automatically get the Martins in there, if you know the story of that. Um, so I, I, I truly learned the gospel from hearing it, but seeing uh, the pastors of this church really live it out in their families. Um, and that's an amazing thing. 16 years old is when I, I truly gave my life to Christ um, in this youth group. And um, from there, it's just been um, a radical journey um, of faith and trusting through many different things that God has brought me through. But um, I just pray that today is, is a blessing and, and just to hopefully um, we can just focus in on the Lord and um, I enjoy that it's just maybe a little bit simpler today because I think the main theme of what I'll be talking about is uh, kind of refocusing and reorienting us on God. So let's pray. And if you can, if we pray, can we stand um, and just commit the day to the Lord? Lord Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, we desperately need to hear your voice, Lord, in these times. Lord, I just, I think of the Psalms that say, just seeking you like, like water in a dry and, and desert land, Lord. Or as a deer pants for water, Lord, that's how much we should long after you, God. We desperately need you. God, I just pray that this morning as we as we open up your word, we are truly, um, just clear our minds, clear our hearts, and just let us receive, Lord, what you have for us um, in these times that the church is going through, and God, speak. We want to hear your voice, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. You guys can be seated. So, when I got... Uh, called about coming up in front of the church and, and doing a message. Um, the immediate thing that popped into my head was uh, the book of Jeremiah. I have been going through it recently, and God has just been speaking to me through it in huge ways. Um, and I really think it has to do with just the season that we're in in the church. Um, the world we're living in, our personal lives, church life, it's all shifting in a lot of different ways, and we're feeling a lot of different pressures on many different sides. And I think this is very similar to the time that Jeremiah was, uh, was living in. And I think there's a message that God not only wants to minister to me, but I think a message that God wants uh, to pour over us in these times. I think the message of the book really, again, just reorients us onto the things that matters, that matter, and, and focus on the main calling of God for us to strive towards. 
And there's a lot of things in, in the book that we'll talk about, a lot of things referring to judgment, but there's also this underlying theme in the book of striving towards hope in God's faithfulness and his promises and all that he's going to do through those promises. And I titled this message, God Goes With Us, because as we'll see from Jeremiah, he has a calling that he's moving us towards, um, and it's often hard, it's often um, a struggle, but he's going there with us. And I just hope that's an encouragement today. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll just say is that as I've read through this book, I've just been cut to the heart by the scripture. And I think that's, that's an appropriate response to when we read the scripture is just being cut to the heart by the things that we need to repent of in our lives um, and the things that we're, we are losing focus on, but then stitched up by the mercy and grace of God as that great physician that he is. Um, so this dichotomy of just being torn and being sown, um, God grows us, amen? Um, one thing that's kind of cool, there's a, a long time ago, I learned about this Japanese art form called kintsugi, and uh, when a, uh, a pot breaks, um, instead of throwing the pot away, they would actually remend re it with gold to bind it together. So, so in the end, the pot is more valuable than it was. And I think that's such a, a cool thing. And I think what's, what's God's doing to, to us through the scripture when we approach it this way. And lastly, just having that desperation um, for God as we seek his face like never before. So as we, as we come to Jeremiah, and we're going to start off in chapter 1, um, I, my plan with this is to kind of do um, an overview of the book, in a sense, um, and then hop around to a few different scriptures. Obviously, there's 55 chapters in Jeremiah, and so I encourage you guys to read it. Um, so this is not going to be a very comprehensive look at Jeremiah. One thing I would encourage you guys, I feel like we, we don't do it that much in the church, is to, to read these books like Jeremiah, all in one sitting, and it's kind of hard to do, but you get this, these, these main themes pop out to you, and I feel like you get such a great um, context to the book. But where we, before we start, I just want to do a little historical context of where we are so far in the Bible and, and what led up to the time that Jeremiah was in. So Pastor Kevin has been, has been talking about Joseph. Um, so God rescued Israel from famine by leading them to Egypt. And while in Egypt they prospered for a while, but eventually that became bondage and slavery in Egypt. And God, by his mercy then, after a time there, brought them out by miracles uh, and established them back into the land um, that they were promised of Israel. And then you have a brief period of time where there's, some, there's a kingdom. You have Saul who was uh, the first king, and he kind of uh, messed it up a little bit. <laughs> he did, he was, and he was pulled out by God, and David was put in his place. And David was a man who um, had many failings, but he was also described as a man who um, was after God's own heart, and he was constantly having that attitude of repentance and coming back to him. And then his son Solomon, after him, was, was, a, good, was a great king, brought a lot of prosperity, 
But then, um, Israel's, one of Israel's main problems that they dealt with started really rearing its head, and that's the problem with I, constant idolatry, going back to other gods, mixing um, with the religions that were around them. And it's one of the, the things that God has to continually work out of them um, throughout their time. And so this is, um, this is the time that Jeremiah is coming in. They're struggling with idolatry. And then God says, you know what? Because of this, I'm going to put my judgment on the nation. And I'm going to use this to weed out this idolatry. So you have two kingdoms at this point. You have Israel in the north and Judah in the south. You can think of Israel in the north as um, it's kind of easy because there's absolutely no good kings that come out of that, that kingdom. But Judah in the south is, is mixed. It's mostly bad kings, but there are a few kings that really turn their heart toward the Lord. So Israel in the north gets taken into captivity by Assyria. And then Judah is left, and this is where Jeremiah comes in. He is called to be a prophet against this idolatry and be a prophet against, not against, but for the people um, during this time. So Jeremiah, he had an extensive ministry. It was over 40 years of him basically prophesying and preaching the same thing over and over again. And that was, again, that God is bringing judgment, but pushing people towards repentance and to refine his people. We see this ultimately fulfilled in the 70-year period that came after um, this, where, it, where Judah was carried into captivity in Babylon, and God using that, again, to refine his people. But the thing that, that I really want to, to push out today and to hopefully encourage you guys in is that these were hard times in, in, in Jeremiah's day. And they're hard times in, in, in our day today. But there's so much hope and there's so much joy and there's so much um, rejoicing because in the midst of the hardship and the grief and the pressure of these days and in our days, there's rejoicing in the anticipation of the promise that God has to restore everything to himself. And this is where I, I want to land today and hopefully encourage us today. I know it's a bit of a, a long intro, but one more thing I want to say just about Jeremiah as we, as we look at it and the context of it is we have to remember that, that when we read a book like this, we're we're looking at prophecies that, that concern Jeremiah himself and then prophecies that, that relate to Israel themselves, um, but then also that there were things that fulfilled these prophecies that we see in, in history. But at the same time, we can, we can take these words as Scripture of God and as the church who have been grafted into the people of Israel, and we can see how they apply to us, and then ultimately how... There's so many things in this book 
that point us to a future um, fulfillment of what's going to happen. And we can look forward to that. So we, we just want to understand that, um, that dichotomy. Because I feel like a lot of times with scriptures, like in these, people will, will cherry pick certain things out of them and not really understand the whole context of the book and, and what that means truly. Um, I think the classic example from Jeremiah is, you know, I have, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and stuff like that. Um, and people, and that's true, like God wants to bless us, but we have to remember that the context of that is him refining us and him um, bringing us through things that are going to challenge us and stretch us and grow us. So we'll start out in chapter one. Verse 5, I'll give you a second to, uh, to turn there if you want to. It says, Before I formed you, so this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah the prophet, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then a little bit later in verse 14, read a little bit of a lengthy section here. This is, the, this is the message that God is going to give to Jeremiah, and it's going to be repeated throughout most of the book um, concerning the judgment and concerning what he's going to be facing. And it's, So verse 14, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord, they shall come and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me, burn incense to other gods, and worship the works of their own hands. Therefore prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. So I want you to notice in that, in that first verse, in, in verse 5, um, that there is this tender calling of the Lord, personally, of Jeremiah. I knew you, I formed you, I sanctified you, and I'm giving you a job. I want us to recognize that this is the same intimacy that God sees his children with, and he sees you with if, if you know him, that he has called you and that he has formed you and that he is giving you a purpose, and that is just this vastly intimate thing that we have with the Lord. But at the same time, notice so that's the, that's the call of the Lord personally. 
But notice the call of the Lord vocationally that he gives to Jeremiah. It's, um, it's a little rough. It's, um, so we have the call that's, that's, that's so personal and so intimate, but then we have the call of God to work, and it is definitely not an easy job. Amen? And it's the same for us. We have a job, or Jeremiah had a job to, to preach repentance, to preach against the wrong thing that, were people, that people were doing, to preach against the emptiness of the things they were going after. And not only that, but it, it says in, from the very start, the Lord tells him from the very start that he's going to have people come against him and he's going to have people who are literally going to fight against the words that God is giving him. As we, as we look through the book, Jeremiah's life is, is really marked by these things. So over his 40 years, some of the things that he faces are scorn, persecution, threats of being killed, and time in prison. I believe as we live out our callings, as we are doing the things that God is wanting us to do and desperately desiring us to to refocus on in this culture around us, um, we have to remember that these are things that um, God potentially could bring into our lives and maybe things that we have to be a little bit more comfortable with um, the idea of them. We sing, we sing songs like, I surrender all. But are we truly surrendered to all these things? I, like, I, I have to check myself on that sometimes. I mean, even with the times right now and just hearing different things in the news and things like that and just feeling the confusion of which way is right, which way is wrong. So often I'm so scared of these things, of, of what even people say. I'll give you a personal example in my life. I'm of just this being cut in the heart in terms of scripture. Uh, it's just being in the Coast Guard. It's, um, it can be a very uh, rough environment, and there's a lot of mockery in terms of the Christian faith. Um, it's so easy to shy away from that, from that scorn. It's so easy not to engage or to disconnect. Um, but truly start to learn how to, to embrace these things that God could potentially um, bring for the purpose of stretching, for the purpose of making us who he wants to be. But in this section, I, I really want to, um, to just reiterate the fact that he tells Jeremiah that he, he's going to be with him in this. And that's where our strength comes from. Notice, that, notice what he says, just the words that he's going to make him a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls, these, these strength from the Lord um, is really amazing. And I think we have to remember that 
God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, and God is going with us. God is going to be that strength. Oftentimes we say this phrase in the church, and I don't really agree with it, that that God won't give us more than we can handle. But I feel like that's precisely what God does a lot of times. He says, I'm going to give you just a little bit more than you can handle so that you have to depend on me. And um, you're going to be stretched way past your comfort zone, and you're going to be praying like never before. And I think that's what God wants to do in the church through these times. So that's, so again, just to reiterate, if you, know, if you know Christ in this room, you have this wonderful personal calling from him. But at the same time, you have this vocational calling that God is, is, is putting out on us that's going to be full of struggle, but he's with us in that. But again, at the same time, if you're, if you're in this room today or if you're online and you do not know who God is. I want you so much to know that tender calling from the Lord because he is, is calling you personally to know him. And I'll plead with you to not be on the wrong side of the judgment of God because these things do come from the Lord. There's a in chapter 2, verse 13, skip over one chapter. There's a truly heartbreaking summary of what Israel and what so many people are doing in terms of running after their own ways. It says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. If you don't know the Lord in this room, or if you are a believer that has just gotten sidetracked by so many things in this life, just don't make the mistake of, of, of mistaking poison water for the life-giving life of Christ and God. And don't cover yourself with an identity that fails and can't hold anything real. The Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. God has offered us salvation. Amen. God has offered us um, truth in life through Jesus. And there's so many things that we follow after that are truly just broken, broken cisterns that aren't holding anything. And we're and so often we're convincing ourselves they are. So as, as believers, can we just, um, again, today, start afresh, repent. What are the things in our lives that we're replacing for the truth of Christ? And again, if you don't know the Lord, what, what are these things that you're, you're, you're running after when they cannot fill you? I think of today, so many, so many people... defining who they are and their identity um, in their fame, right? And how many people like them and what they have, right? In their identity with their sexuality, which is a very shallow identity, if that's your identity. If we want to truly live 
a life that is fulfilled and meaning and we know who we are that is only found in Christ. So as we continue on in this book, I'm not going to obviously get into the giant section of chapters, 55, 55 chapters. But, God, or, but Jeremiah is called by God to um, a heartfelt call, proclaiming judgment again, and calling people to turn from sin. But there's kind of, if you read through the book, you'll see four main ways that he's called to do this. We see this reflected um, in judgment on individual people to turn from what they're doing, uh, from rulers who are over people, towards false prophets who are saying things in the name of God that aren't true, and to other nations around Israel as well. Um, These are all scopes that Jeremiah is engaged in. And really, it's, um, it's the same for us today. These are all areas that God wants us and intersections of the world around us that God wants us to unashamedly, unashamedly engage and speak truth over. But there's two temptations, I feel like, that happen with this when we're... I feel like the, the, the church really gets the individual part right. right? We, we can understand that. Our neighbors, our coworkers, speaking truth into our, our workplaces. Like, that makes sense in our mind, right? But when it comes to uh, rulers and false prophets and nations, I feel like it gets a little bit more confusing, and it's a little bit more work to um, navigate. How does that look? But we are definitely called to be salt and light and an influence on what's happening around us and making sure that as much as we can stand and as much as we can fight for the truth of God, we're doing that in our nation. See, there's a, there's a temptation, and I struggle with this, to get a mindset of kind of retreat or a mindset of there's so many things going wrong in the world and there's so much grief in my own heart about how people are so like wayward and, and so against God that I'll kind of just like retreat into my own, my own little world, right, and, and not really engage at all. And I see this as something, a temptation that a lot of churches have fallen into, unfortunately, where we meet together and we encourage one another, but like upon like other than that, we're not really um, our lives aren't defined outside by by anyone of like really reflecting um, engagement in these areas. But then the other temptation, and I'll talk against this, is is the whole idea of um, social gospel, and that's where 
these ideas that are good and, and we want to follow after them in the sense of um, caring for the poor, um, being there for the widow and the orphan. These are all things that Scripture commands us to do. Even things like caring for our planet and the environment, which are things that I love to, to look into and things like that. But they become so much of the focus that you lose the main heart and message of God in the gospel. So the real question is, is how do we do this then? How do we navigate these areas that Jeremiah had to navigate? And how do we engage what the world needs to hear? And more than ever, I believe that this is done by the gospel of Jesus Christ, but with a focus on the light of the kingdom that is coming and that future hope that we have of a real, tangible kingdom of God that will be here on this earth. Scripture is bathed in the resounding answer to sin, brokenness, and the judgment of God. God will and has provided a way of escape, and he will renew all things to himself to mend the broken and to make whole a world that is broken with sin. I believe more than ever that this is the message that this world is craving. This is the message that the world needs to hear, that Jesus is Savior of our sin, but he's also a king that is going to bring justice to this world. There's so much cry right now for justice, but that only comes through Christ, truly and fully. The last passages I'm going to be going through here are kind of in the middle of the book. It's, um, we're starting in chapter 31. Again, I highly encourage you, if you have time this week, to just read through this book in one sitting. Just get a feel for the overlying themes, because I think they can speak wonders today. So I'm in chapter 31, starting in verse 31. But I want us to read these and let them, let them wash us and let them renew us to just look forward to this kingdom and what God is, is planning, what God is working, what God is going to do. And as we do that, God has given um, us imagination, right? Um, and it's a good thing. I think too often in the church we, we uh, don't use our imaginations enough um, or our creativity enough. Um, but I want you to imagine the city of New Jerusalem and this kingdom that's coming and really think of yourself that one day physically, just as this is here, 
you're going to be walking through the gates of New Jerusalem, and you're going to be touching the walls and feeling, feeling the doors and seeing the glory of God light the city, light the world. You're going to see nations judged righteously. Like these are real things that our eyes will see and real things that our hope should be founded on. So let's read chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they, shall, they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Remember that these are true promises that are fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, which we can look to, but then that also all these things are going to be brought to their fullness and their sum when God comes down and sets his kingdom on this earth. So you have that God has saved us. He's saving us now and he will fully save us. We have this beautiful look at history that gives us hope. And it's not according to the old covenant, which, which is basically, it just means the law. It means something that showed us our sin, something that had glory, but it was a glory that was fading, the Bible says because we could not live up to it. It was, it was wonderful, it was beautiful, but it just showed us how, how sinful and how filthy we were. But God, through Jesus, is doing, has done a new thing. He showed us himself, and he will fully show us himself one day. Continuing on, chapter 32 Verse 37 through 42. Running along the same vein. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath I will bring them back to this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. They shall be my people and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And here it is. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing 
them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all this great calamity on this people, so I will bring on them all the good that I have promised them. Chapter 33, verse 15. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell safely, and this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord our righteousness. I want to encourage you guys. I, I honestly have been, um, I guess, seeing a lot of different things in the news and YouTube, and I don't know how it, how it feels to be just confused right now and, and going, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out the truth, but it's one side saying one thing, the other side saying the other thing, and there's so many, there's so many things in our world right now that are like this. And I think at the end of the day, we got to say, I don't know what's going to happen. But I know who Christ is. I know that he's going with me. I know that if I stay grounded in this truth, if I stay grounded in the gospel of God, in the good news of God, that I know where I'm going, and ultimately I know where history is going. No matter what happens, we know that this book says that there will be a restoration of this earth, a renewing of creation that's crying out to him. So I hope this is an encouragement today. I hope this is a refreshment today that we desperately need to continue this work that we're doing, to not shy away from it, but to press into it no matter what does come, and to know that God is strengthening us, knowing that God is going with us, knowing that God is, is before us. Amen. I want to close with this, and it's just the message that, that the church has been preaching ever since day one, it's, it's the good news of Christ. And um, Sophia can go ahead and come up. I pray that we all know this deeply in our souls, that we were once, that we were dead in trespasses and sin, and that God, in his rich mercy, provided us a way of escape, provided us a way of knowing him. And that's revealed in this book, 
through his word, through seeing him in scripture. But ultimately we get to see the man Jesus who was God and who was man. And we get to completely understand through him who God was. We get to see his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And the Bible says that if you believe in him, if you trust in him, that the the sin, the brokenness, it can be dealt with. It can be it can be satisfied the judgment of God because of Christ. Because in his birth, life, death, and resurrection, not only did he show us who God was, but he paid the price for those things. It cost him everything, but God offers grace freely for, for you. So I just pray that these, these things can be, be known by us believers. But again, if you do not know Christ, this is the calling that he has called you to. Will you turn from your sin and will you trust in God? Because we don't know what's ahead, but we know that the kingdom is ahead. Amen? Let's pray. Oh God, I am so grateful for this church and what you're doing through it, Lord, and the work that you've set each people um, in this room on, Lord, and how you are intimately calling them. And you are preparing a way day by day, Lord, for us. Help us to depend on you in this season. Help us to know you, God, deeper and deeper. I pray that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and the good news that the kingdom is coming is just a daily thought that we have. A daily hope that that springs up inside of us and overflows to the world around us, to our neighbors, to our government, to our nation. God, we're thankful for this book, Jeremiah, that can show us these things. As we sing this song, Lord, let our hearts just worship you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.